Welcome, everybody. I am Dr. Amy Robbins. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. Uh, this is Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. And here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. And I am here today with Marielle, 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 Ford Clark. Since her own near-death experience in 1992, Marielle has dedicated her life to exploring the mysteries of life and death. She has studied many cultures where the afterlife is considered to be our true home. From various research gleaned, she now understands that belief in an afterlife determines the impact on how one grieves. Anecdotal evidence from many of her workshops showed a prevailing common theme. Participants who believe in an afterlife manage their grieving process in a healthier, more integrative way. For others, the afterlife is of no concern, with death being the cessation of all life and communication. Her new book is Where Do Our Loved Ones Go After They Die? Welcome, Marielle. Thank you, Amy, for having me, and greetings from the western shores of Ireland. It's a pleasure. Anyone else feel like they were shot out of a cannon this month? I certainly do. It feels like everything has just taken off. And so I'm excited to share that the rest of the year has got great content and 2022 is already shaping up to be incredible. So if you want to know what's coming and what I've got planned for you, please go ahead and sign up for my newsletter. It is actually the thing that's fallen to the bottom of everything I do, unfortunately, but I am going to make it come back. So as a busy mom of three, um, I have had to prioritize some things and the podcast always gets priority over everything else. So if you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, you can do that on my website, dramyrobbins.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and you can link there. Uh, also, if you could support the podcast, that would be fantastic. You can go to patreon.com, any sort of you just put in my name. Any sort of financial support is so, so appreciated right now as I'm really ramping up with some great guests into 2022. And I want to sort of elevate my listener experience overall. And one way I'm doing that is on Fireside. So if you have not joined me on Fireside yet, I know I've seen a few of you over there. Maybe you're kind of hiding in the background, but you can be on the show and ask questions of my guests, which is amazing. All my shows are on Thursdays. They are live. Time kind of varies depending on uh, where my guests are, but generally between 12 and 2. So you can have lunch with me if you're back at the office and having lunch. I would love to see some of you over there. It's a great platform. It's fun to be interactive and to to hear all of you and hear your questions. Um, also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. And I think that just about covers it. So here is this month's episodes. Thank you for being here. So let's start with your near-death experiences. Can you tell us, you had three, um, yes. which is pretty remarkable. Can you tell, I guess you weren't ready to go quite yet. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what those experiences were like and how you came to understand them over time? Okay. Well, I suppose the most, the one, the very first one was when I fell off a 17 foot of a roof 
And my whole life just flashed before my eyes. I was nine and a half years of age at that stage. And, um, you know, being rushed to hospital and a broken chest and a broken arm. And my I have a deformity in my rib cage ever since. But I, I don't remember maybe the fact that I was a child. I don't remember that as significantly as the one in 1992. But then I had a near drowning experience where I got caught under a diving board. And I the last piece of life was being squeezed out of me. And the fact that I was under a diving board and my swimming togs got caught on a nail for all intensive purposes, I couldn't release myself. And I was a very good swimmer and I was able to hold my breath underwater. But I just, there was, there was nothing left. I just said, this is it. My life is gone. And all of a sudden, it's like a pair of hands came under the water, pushed me backwards, and then dipped me and pushed me forward up onto the surface. And I looked around to say thank you to whoever, because it was like it was a man's pair of hands. I turned around to say thank you and gasping but there was nobody there. Nobody had seen what had happened. And, you know, there, I had nightmares about drowning after that. But then in 1992, the, what I call the real death experience, when I, I was diagnosed with serious cervical cancer, and I, I went to theatre like everybody goes to theatre after signing your consent and everything, you know, you say your prayers that everything is going to be fine. And I was... Um, in theatre, and obviously the surgery was taking place, but then something significantly happened, and I bled outwards. I was hemorrhaging mm-hmm. outwards, and um, I, I rose from my body, and I was hovering over my body in this lovely, tranquil space, and I saw all this commotion going on, and they trying to resusc- resuscitate me and to try and get her back, and they were doing everything, and I was saying, don't bother don't bother. I'm, I'm happy here. But I remember being totally being, it was like catapulted into this whirlpool of beautiful light. It was like rainbow color of light. And then when I got to the center, it was like the nucleus of a cell. When I got there, it was just pure golden light. And I remember the peace, the serenity. I had no pain all my worries, all my fears of what was going on in my life had totally evaporated, totally null and voided. And I just was held in this sacred space. And it was the music, the beautiful music. And now I know it was heavenly music. And I was so happy in that space. And I was, it was like I was being lifted and cuddled and rocked in sacred embrace. It was just so beautiful and so profound. And as I'm getting older, it is becoming more significant because when my life gets stressed, I find myself, it's like I'm back in the womb of that that sacredness when I had the near-death experience. And then my father's hand, I know now, three months later, I, I had the same experience, but I knew it was my a hand came out from the ethers, from that golden light, and it stopped me from staying where I was. So when 
two days later after my surgery, the surgeon said to me, he said, we had a job to get you back. But when I came back into the body, I could hear them say, we've got her back. She's back. She's back. And I didn't want to be back because there was too much going on in my life. I was in a very dysfunctional, loveless marriage. And he has since and for the last 30 years has become my greatest teacher on Mother Earth. So that was obviously why I was saved as well. I couldn't understand why why I didn't die. I was quite happy to die. I was quite happy to be in that beautiful energy of undiluted love. And uh, it was it has taken me years, years to understand why I'm here now. Years, because I'm an evolving soul and there's so many different dynamics that are going on for me and the different healing modalities that I have been exposed to. So there was a reason. And I think the main reason after many, many lifetimes is to let people know about the afterlife. And it's to give hope to those that may be sitting on the fence and just saying, nah, there's nothing there, you know. And and I, I, I love what you said, because I think that a lot of people who hear about near death experiences think, People have a near-death experience and and they are immediately transformed. And so what you're really saying is that it's really a journey. It's not just you have a near-death experience and then you become this spiritually enlightened being whose whole life has changed. It's just how you look at your life that shifts. That is absolutely correct because... I mean, while I have a, and and the ironic thing about it is, Amy, I have a scientific background. And before that, I mean, my grandmother was a a very psychic, beautiful soul. And my my uncle was a seventh son of a seventh son, which is unheard of now because families are much smaller now. So I was reared with all the psychic intuitive abilities around me. So I never flinched an eyelid and I had my own beautiful journey and spiritual awakening when I was just 15. I had an immense experience and that has lasted me throughout my entire life and has grown with me. But in in saying that, I just didn't wake up after my near-death experience and, and, and say, um, you know, oh my God, life is wonderful. Life was not wonderful. I was still living in a very turbulent relationship. And my only way out of it three months later was to decide to end my life. And that's when my father appeared to me when I was about to do the the, the most dreadful thing, which to me was to release the pain I was in. Mm-hmm. And the same hand and his face said, Malia Kujin, keep your powder dry. That's an old Irish saying. So in other words, you know, think about things. So three hours off that night, I have no memory of. Now, yes, my guides have since told me that I was in a holding space where they were restoring and rebooting my soul energy. So and the following morning, I went to a solicitor and the rest kind of it was only when I took charge of my life then that I that I started the journey, my sole purpose, my soulful journey on this earth plane. And it's only after 30 plus years that my sole purpose is only beginning to really, yes, I have done, I have crossed so many rivers, I've climbed so many mountains, Amy. And I've I'm just I have been saying, where is it all going to end? You know, how much more do I have to do? But 
It is a journey. It's the journey of my soul. We all have a journey and it's already preordained. It's already written into our sacred contract long before we come upon Mother Earth. And it is a lovely journey, but it can be so challenging and painful as well. But the most painful experiences, Amy, are the ones that our soul have called forth for learning and for mastery. Can you speak a little bit, because you talk in the book about the silver cord that people have that connects their body to their soul, I guess? Is that that what it is? Absolutely. And, And, you know, Amy, it's a beautiful question because so few people realize, you know, we're all familiar, so familiar with the umbilical cord when the baby is in the mother's womb and it's it's its lifeline. It nourishes the baby and gives it all the nutrition and the minerals that it needs to for sustaining within the womb. And then when when mother gives birth, the, 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 the umbilical cord is cut and each becomes individual and separate from one another. So when we come on earth, we have what is called, uh, we have, it's like a, a spirit body, which is attached by the silver cord. It's for the want of a better word, Amy, it's like uh, there is an image of you um, uh, in, in a crystalline body on the spirit side. There is an image of me, it, but in spirit form on the other side. It's like we have a twin of ourselves. But the silver cord is when we, come into the earth plane it's like we it's the soul that reincarnates it's not the body the body is just the vehicle that houses our beautiful soul Uh, it's like your car your car is not you but you you become the driver Mm -hmm. so when we come on earth the 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 silver cord keeps us attached to our spiritual oneness on the other side it keeps us attached to the the highest aspect of ourselves, which is our soul essence. So the silver cord never, never breaks, only, only at the moment of physical death, where there is a point of no return. And that's the difference, Amy, between a near-death experience and an outer body experience. And the near-death experience, you have actually, the cord hasn't snapped, but it has journeyed outwards into the inner planes, and it has met a loved one or it has met a wise one or a significant other or an angel or an ascended master or somebody that the person recognizes as significant. And it, they, they, you are brought back into your body. They, how I would ex- explain it is it's like a thud. It's like you're, it's even like when you're asleep, if you're, we all have these outer body experiences and we can only have them because the silver cord is limitless. It, it can travel and travel out into the inner planes where we get counseling, we get guidance from our angels and our ascended masters. And at, because the soul gets very kind of bored sitting within our bodies while we're sleeping. So, so the soul it, leaves, the soul leaves us and so it goes out. Is the silver cord almost like a bungee cord? And I guess I'm confused. So with an out-of-body experience, you're still connected, but with yes. your death experience, you are less connected? What's what's the difference? The, the, the near-death experience is that, that well, they're both, this, well, they're di- very different, but it's the silver, the silver cord still r- remains connected. But when you're having the outer, the near-death experience, when you're on the other side, somebody will come and they will say to you, it is not often you will hear, it's not your time, you have work to do. 
sometimes if you're a long time out that you're actually that all your vital signs have totally flatlined uh, you know there are so many different um, genres that will say you know I met Jesus I had a walk with Jesus or I met my sister that I never knew existed because she died before I was born so you're you are out there in in this beautiful space in the afterlife but then you're drawn back in and most of the time when we are brought back into the body it's like a thud it's called catalepsy and that thud is when life starts again but there is one major difference when the silver cord finally snaps it's when they're, say, when the person on the other side doesn't come back because their time on earth is complete. The cord snaps. So you could it never, disengages. the cord would never snap in an out-of-body experience. It would only no, snap never. in a near-death experience no. where yes. the, the soul decides or it has been decided yes. that the soul stays yes. on the Absolutely. other side. Absolutely, yes. And that's the big difference, you know, and some people, you know, how some people survive. Uh, the uh, Funny enough, Amy, I kind of find, you know, the one thing I do kind of struggle with the, the, the phraseology of near death experience, because, you know, those of us that have had these near death experiences, we were actually dead. We were pronounced dead. All vital signs had gone. We had flatlined, you know. So the near death experience is, uh, I think it came in in the, the late 50s when, when Dr. Ian Stevenson was doing his research on reincarnation. And then Dr. Raymond Moody came afterwards and he did a whole volume and years and years of research into the near death experience. And all of the near-death experiencers were able to talk about, you know, the silver cord and it, and they being catapulted back into their bodies. So the only time, Amy, to qualify what, what you asked, the only time that the silver cord breaks is when your time on earth is complete and it is your sole time to leave this earth and return back to where you came from. So can you talk a little about soul fragmentation and soul reintegration? Because it sounds like that's something that you experienced. I mean, before yes. you had this, it sounds like your soul might have been fragmented um, and then you reintegrated. So can you talk a little about what that is and what that would look like? Mm -hmm. How would someone know if their soul is fragmenting? Okay, there, okay, all of us, the main, the main, the main signs for soul fragmentation is if you are, if you are traumatized constantly over a period of time, if there has been many of my clients would have gone through sexual abuse and uh, at a very young age. And you, it's very easy to identify when somebody comes to me through my healing room and you can see that the soul, it's, it's an, an energy and, and the soul can be looming outside the body and then it might re-enter and go out again. The soul is very, very um, intelligent. It has a huge intelligence. So if there is abuse, like many of my clients, they, they had visions of themselves. One of my clients, he was a boarder in a, in a school that was run by priests. And he's, his, he used to be assigned kitchen duties. So when he was, he'd end up in this kitchen peeling potatoes for the, the volume of students or the boarders that were in-house. And what used to happen was 
bless him and bless the priest and who was the abuser, his soul, he said he used to sit on top of the cupboard and he would see the abuse happening, but he didn't feel it. He would see it because he, his soul had already exited and he was only 12 and 13. So when he came to me for soul healing, it was like, you're talking about he was in his late 30s at that stage and it was a, a process to get his soul reintegrated back into his body and there are many other signs if there is too much alcohol if there is um if there is um say where you have no kind of appreciation or self-worth for yourself it can be mental abuse as i said and and emotional abuse and your soul can fragment through various traumas as i said even surgeries can actually splinter depending on the duration of surgery. I have had clients where if there were a long time in theater, that the soul would have splintered somewhat and fragmented because of the invasion of a procedure that was going on far too long. Um, I know I'm speaking very fast now because I know time is quite short for us. No, that's fine. No, we can, you, we can you take know. more time if we need to, yeah. for sure. So, um, this, you know yourself if, you have, if your soul is somewhat fragmented. Sometimes it can be as simple as just not feeling you belong here anymore. So A feeling, can, yeah. Is, is, the, is the treatment for that... This is this is where I get a little bit concerned as a therapist from the therapeutic side is people thinking that sometimes the treatment for healing their soul is like some sort of energy practice and solely an energy practice um, and that their soul yeah. will be healed. And I actually personally don't mm. think that's the mm. case. I feel like it has to be an integration of the soul and the like you have to work psychologically through those absolutely issues. Um, absolutely it has to be you're so right amy it has to be we are mind body and spirit so it has we can't have one in working in isolation of the other they have to be integrated and and that is why you know you know, when people come to me, I don't always because I, I work um, at soul retrieval as well. So I'm a shaman as, as well. So I as well as a spirit midwife. But I there are some people and I will know instantly if soul retrieval is for them. If not, I will redirect them towards a professional a counselor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist or, um, you know, a psychotherapist, you know, I will always refer them. But I've had huge successes with soul integration and bringing the soul back. But then there is a huge process. It's not a matter of, you know, you lie on a table and yes, here I am and everything is going to work out fine, that she will help my soul get back. I have to ask the client to reclaim their soul back mm -hmm. and bring it back into their body. They have to own it. It's their soul, not mine. So they have to do the work. And it's a huge process and it could take hours. And it can take many sessions then just to make sure that the soul has settled back in nicely into the physical body. So the soul would be out of the body, but different from what it, how it is out of the body in a near-death experience. Absolutely. I guess that's yes. my question. So yes. So what does that look like to you in your mind's eye? Like, are they just okay. reporting, these are my symptoms? 
I feel disconnected. I've been drinking a lot. I, you know, was abused as a child. And you say, oh my gosh, this person has a fragmented soul. How do, how do you put that soul back together? But the, the ironic thing about it, Amy, not everyone who has been abused or not everybody who doesn't feel they have a sense of belonging here, not everybody's soul, it just because they portray those symptoms, not everybody means, it doesn't mean that their soul is fragmented. It's some souls that I see, I'm shown the soul as an energy, as an energy around their auric field. And I am, I am shown, it's like, for the want of a better word, Amy, just, um, I'll give you the analogy, say an apple, uh, an apple, and you take a bite out of it. There's a chunk gone. And that's how I'm, I see their soul, not as an apple, but in their energy field, there's a little piece that has been punctured in their energy field. Gotcha. And, okay. Right? If that makes sense to you, Amy. Mm-hmm. So how do you see fear? Because I know you talk about this a lot in the book. How do you see fear as something that drives us, particularly as it relates to death and dying? Okay. And, and you know, Amy, fear is the, the, the one thing that paralyzes people and it terrifies them, especially when it comes to death. And I'm hoping that we're after will give them comfort to know that, you know, when they read it and they'll do, they'll do all the, the, the research that I have given in the book and the scientific approach and the medical approach and my own spiritual experiences. But for me, where I, while I run my workshops, it is, it is incredible the amount of people that fear death. But what I have found, Amy, is when I'm at the, when I'm in there as a spiritual my wife at the bedside of somebody that's dying, I'm always invited by the family or by the person that's about to make their transition because they would have been with me over time. And those that have some kind of a belief system, that they believe in a God or they believe in Allah or Buddha or Krishna, those that have a belief in something, it is they leave this earth plane much freer without struggle and without fighting. Those that don't have it are the ones that are paralyzed. They are so afraid of crossing over. Mm. And my role then as the spirit midwife, Amy, would be to, it's recoiling the chakras, bringing the energy of the, the, the physical body to a close. And, but I'm always guided and it's always, always with the permission of the soul of the person that's about to die. Never mind. The time may not be right for me. There's times I've had to walk away and say, sorry, this isn't the right time for, for their soul yet. Right. So it's always with permission and it's always guided to me by the soul of the person. And but fear, I suppose, Amy, people fear the unknown. And if you don't know something, that's it's that's what makes it harder for us to die because we're afraid. Because from my Irish background, we were reared in Catholic schools and it was, you know, hell's fire and damnation. And if you're if you're good, you'll go to heaven. If you're bad, you're going to burn in hell. So I need I really need to say with the conversations I've had with my guides and my angels, it's so important to say that there is no damnation and fires of hell, but there are different levels and spheres on the 
in the afterlife. Not everyone goes to the same level. What happens, what my understanding from my guides is, Amy, that we go to the same level of understanding in the afterlife that we have here on earth. So if we have a belief system that there is a God, there is heaven, and there is, you know, there is beautiful pastures, there is golden sun, there is, you know, there is energy beans, angelic beans, guides, which is what I have seen, then we will be introduced to that when we cross over. For those that have, um, you know, shady or little or no faith in anything, they still go to the afterlife and then they get the opportunity there is a thing called the law of progress on the other side. They get an opportunity to grow spiritually on the mm. other side and they can grow and they can elevate their souls through time, even though there is no time on the other side. But I've heard that our, one of the ways they can elevate their soul is by helping souls on earth, by being like, by kind of yeah. coming back if you are a lost loved one and really guiding your loved ones here that helps elevate your soul. Is that true? Or did I, that is, did I make that, that up somewhere? <laughs> no, no, you didn't. That is true. And and the, the souls that do cross over, I was asked at one stage, you know, well, if we're all going to the afterlife, there is little hope for, I don't want to be in the same place as Hitler. And I said, be assured that the Hitlers and the, uh, the, the Mussolinis and the uh, the Osama bin Ladens, they're on, they're on the very, very lower echelons. They, they, they have a lot of work to do on the other side. Mm. They're not going to be the, in the same place as Mahatma Gandhi, mm-hmm. you know. So prayer is a huge thing. it's not necessarily thing. hell. It's just a different type of learning that they have to do. Well, put it this way, Amy, there, there is, there, there is, it's, it could be deemed as a hell because they're devoid of the, the light, this magnificent right. light that, gotcha. that, that, that shines through all who are there. There is, it's like a dimmer switch. This is what I've been shown, that the lower planes, it's like a dimmer switch. There is very, very little light. It's nearly like the flicker of a candle for so, those that have. So, how do they then learn what they need to learn, or they reincarnate as what? Like they have, they have huge learning, but this learning is available by their through their guides, and there is what is called uh, spiritual counselors on the other side, and they like they to need to seek it. It's huge. It's huge, and. <laughs> Seriously, Amy, it, it, you know, there are spiritual guides on the other side as there are spiritual midwives who help little premature babies to deliver them on the other side when they're time for the birth, the date of birth. It, if it didn't happen on earth, it happens on the other side. I've seen this happen time and time again, and it's a beautiful wow. experience, not for the moms that have lost or miscarried the baby here on earth. But it does grow on the other side until it matures and, and then it's delivered by the hands of spiritual midwives on the other side. So there is a, there is so much to um, to incorporate about the afterlife and about, you know, the hell concept. But it is really devoid of God's light. And that's what hell is like. But they do get an opportunity. But I'm also told by my guides, some of them don't want to seek the light. They want to muddle around in the din, the din of iniquity that they were used to while they were here on earth. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. That seems and like that's a whole it. other podcast topic. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. I could, I mean, there is so much to that side of it. And I want this to be lighthearted rather than mm-hmm. going into the that side of it. As you said, it's a whole different arena altogether. Mm-hmm. So how, my last question is, you know, your book basically consolidates, or I, I thought it, it seemed to consolidate so many different uh, authors, researchers who have studied the afterlife, who've studied what happens when we die. Why do you think so many people still dis- dismiss that there is no possibility of, of any type of life after death? That's an amazing question, Amy. And, and, you know, I ponder on that question myself because, you know, no theologian, no scientist, no doctor, no physicist in the world has ever, ever stepped forward and said categorically, there is no proof for afterlife. Whereas on the other hand, we have hundreds and thousands of doctors and scientists and physicists who totally endorse the phenomena of the afterlife. And they said it's no longer uh, a phenomena that the afterlife is a proven fact. And the science, not alone is the scientist there, but it goes back. The afterlife, it's not a new phenomena. It's going back. It's dated back to the fourth century, even to Pythagoras. And, you know, um, Aristotle and Plato, they all, and Swedenborg in the 1700s um, and Descartes, they all supported the afterlife theory because they had so much evidential proof themselves and the likes of Swedenborg who was a scientist he was a a mathematician he was an astrologer he has started to have huge experiences when he was at the age of 55 he started conversing with prophets and he didn't believe in any of this so he has huge volumes of research which people continue to read because it is so factual and the evidence about people coming back the from the afterlife you know like loved ones not so much coming back but loved ones There is after-death communication, Amy, and it is huge. I have experienced it personally in my own life. I have experienced after-death communication with my clients where uh, their loved one tries to get through to them. And, you know, we all get messages from our loved ones if we're open to it. But getting back to the proof of the afterlife, Amy, the, the scientific proof is overwhelming. Even Einstein believed that there was an afterlife. You know, he and and he he totally endorsed the the afterlife. And he said that there was a greater, greater energy in the universe that was far greater than man. And this was a supreme um, intelligence. Mm -hmm. And he said it must be a God. It must be a creator. But he says, I have questions for God, too. You know, (laughs) yeah. So and. The the sciences is there. And the fact, Amy, that I have a science mind myself, I mean, I found it incredible to, even though I was reared, you know, as a child with all this magic and and mystery around me, but I still always had to have proof. And and that's okay. It's it's a healthy, healthy skepticism. You know, I would still say, show me the proof. If I'm like when I was shown my book, when I had my ski accident, 
And that's how Where After happened. I had a huge ski accident, but that was the angels and my guide's way of getting my attention because my life was too busy and too hectic. And I wasn't taking heed of what they were the messages they were trying to get through to me. So um, I, I think that that's sort of an amazing point is that our loved ones, guides, whomever it is, will try to get through to us. Absolutely. We might not listen. Yes. And that's the thing, Amy, sometimes when somebody is in deep, deep, deep grief and they're they're saying, well, my my husband came through to my daughter last night or my husband came through to my son and he hasn't come near me and I'm broken hearted. The reality is your loved one will go to the person whose heart is most open because and that normally happens through our dream and sleep state. Because that's when the ego gets to rest and get out of the way. So that's when I always say the heavens and the earth meet during our dream and sleep state. And that's where our loved ones, because sometimes people say, oh, my God, my father was there. He was in the room. I could see him. And and I had a huge conversation with him. And he told me he was fine and that everybody, you know, to get on with their life. And this is what happens when we're open. But if we're, excuse me, if we're so overcome with grief, our hearts are form a kind of a blockage. And right. the heart way is the, um, the gateway to the other world. Well, so that must be open. Mariel, thank you so much. We are live on Fireside today. We will take questions if anybody has them. While we're waiting uh, to see if anybody wants to raise their hand and come up on stage, can you tell us where we can find out about you and your book and your work and, and, and okay. everything? Thank you so much, Amy. My my book can be um, uh, purchased on Hunt John Hunt Publishing. It's on all, available on all the Amazon websites, and my website is MarielFordClark.com. And all the pla- social media platforms are from LinkedIn. From that, great. Thank you so much. And does anybody in the audience have any questions they want to come up on stage and ask either myself or Marielle about? Otherwise, we will be wrapping it up. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm excited to share this with the world and for them to hear a bit more about the soul, because I think there's always always room to learn more about the soul. So thank you, Marielle. It's been a pleasure, Amy, and, and, and I bless you and all that are listening. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>